Hello, hello. I am so glad that you're here and that you're choosing to listen to this episode because I am so excited to share this one with you. Today, we're talking about the magic of using your words, copywriting, to speak to your ideal client, to find yourself bringing in and reaching those ideal clients so that when you walk into your office and you look at your schedule, it is filled with the people that you are most excited to work with and that you know that you can serve the most. In this episode, I share my conversation with Dr. Michaela, who is literally the queen of copywriting for healers and helpers. But I'm telling you, this episode is so much more than just an episode about copywriting. I mean, copywriting is important and you'll learn why, but it's so much more than just that. I can't wait to share her with you. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Dr. Michaela, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have this conversation with me today about copywriting and using your words to speak to your ideal client. I'm so excited to get a chance to have this conversation conversation with you again because we did do it once on Instagram Live and I'm just excited to share you here on the podcast and also just dive deeper into the world of copywriting and words. I am so excited. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm just, yeah, so happy to be connecting. All right. So maybe we can start with some context. Um, If you could share a little bit about just your background and how you came to be what I call the queen of copywriting for (laughs) healthcare providers. (laughs) That is high praise (laughs) coming from you. And yeah, I'd be happy to. So spoiler alert, I won't bury the lead here. I'm not, I don't come from a copywriting background. In fact, it was not all that long ago, I even learned that there were multiple kinds of copywriting and that they didn't all have to do with legal copyright law, that sort of thing. Um, My background is in clinical psychology. And so I worked in community mental health settings, college counseling settings, um, before initially settling into eating disorder treatment work as part of an interdisciplinary team, um, working with Um, children through adults who were experiencing sort of the worst of the worst of disordered eating. Um, And that was hard, good work. And it took doing that work, I think, to ignite in me uh, a desire to pursue prevention work. So going way back um, before those kinds of problems have a chance to really take hold, um, wanting to be involved kind of on the ground doing prevention work. And so that led me to pursue postdoc research training through um, a joint program in the School of Medicine and the School of Public Health here in Minnesota, at the University of Minnesota. And there I had the chance to be part of teams that did lab and community-based research, primarily on the sociocultural factors that shape our understanding of body image, um, shape, mm-hmm. weight, and eating behaviors. And that work concentrated on those issues across the lifespan and 
during this time, I also was doing teaching, which I loved and um, kind of becoming sort of, that, that was probably the, the start of my sort of moonlighting dual life, uh, doing copywriting work, although that was really informal. That was helping out um, with friends and colleagues on communication of what their research findings were bringing back. And I guess I should pause here and just own fully that I consider myself a multi-passionate person. And when I first learned that was even a thing, it was like this breath of fresh air because mm. I, I found that a much easier identity to own than say scattered and lacking in direction, which is what I'd always sort of I think had yeah. a little low level shame about that, you know, um, in a, a training program like mine, most people more or less pick a lane, you know, you do yeah. research, you are teaching in academia in some shape or form, or you're doing clinical work with clients. And, you know, mine is not this cautionary tale of how miserable it can be to fall into the wrong, I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah see it, but um, the wrong line of work. I I see my story as more of an illustration of what I believe to my core to be truth, which is that there are any number of ways for every one of us to live a rich and meaningful life. And I think my story is also an illustration of the fact that the process of of arriving at whatever you want to make up your rich and meaningful life is is pretty twisty and turny. And um, I share that often with therapy and with copywriting clients because the pull, our, the pull can be so strong um, for this in this perfectionistic sort of way to distill our experiences into this clean plot line. Like we want a nice story arc of I knew from the time I was young that I always wanted to do X, Y, and Z, and then it was this seamless series of steps along the way to get there. And that is so not how we operate as human people. <laughs> And also to, to distill our stories down to a nice clean plot line, it obscures and glosses over all the really messy, valuable learning along the way. So for example, during my research career, I had to be very honest about how I felt about the individual pieces of that work. So while I loved the questioning and the curiosity that gave life to new research ideas, and I loved the communication of those ideas once they came back as results, I didn't love everything in between necessarily. I, I didn't love every aspect of the research process or the red tape involved in it. Um, that, that wasn't necessarily a great fit for me. So it was through kind of taking all those twists and turns that I was able to just really be honest about the pieces of the different kinds of hats that I'd worn that I love most. Oh, I really, I really agree with you, Michaela, that you are a, a really really lovely illustration of how actually when we allow ourselves to look at all of the things that we're passionate about and 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 hold space for those things to integrate with each other, which doesn't always just happen seamlessly, right? Like you said, there's a lot of twists and turns right. to maybe get there. But that when we do that, we can create something that has so much value to those that we are offering a service to or serving to our communities, but also obviously, and which is so critical for sustainability, it's going to feed us, right? Like you're going to have your feet and your hands in both of your passions and creatively exploring how these things can integrate into each other. And I just, 
I can really relate to that. I can also really relate to this piece of feeling like it's, 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 I don't know, there's a lot of blocks that can show up that make us feel like we need to pick a lane Mm -hmm. and stay in that lane and, you know, horse blinders on, like don't get distracted. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, I'm curious to hear just a little bit from you. Where, I don't know, can you put some words to some of those blocks and like, why, why do you think that we feel maybe especially in our field? And I, I know this field, so I can just speak to that, mm-hmm. that there is that sort of messaging in those blocks of picking a lane. Yeah, there's a lot there. I, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I can try to speak to a few of them as, as I see it. One is, uh, as I said, kind of this, this, I see it as a, a manifestation of perfectionism that's really uh, mm, yeah. forced throughout our training of, um, I think sometimes, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I love so much about our field. And I think that woven into our tradition of training um, can be this message that, yes, it's important that we show up fully for the clients that we work with, for the people that we serve. And there's this sort of assumption of a built-in power differential in that we ought to be several steps ahead of the power curve in a few ways. And one of those, I think, is just this unspoken assumption that we need to exercise forethought in having our career path figured out before we actually dig in. That's at least been my experience. And I don't think anyone ever flat out said that to me. I think it was just sort of in the air. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. And you know, I, when I think back to my training and I'm a professor, so I'm also supporting mm-hmm. clinicians who are in those early stages of their career. And, you know, one of the things that I think is a very normal part of therapist development is when you're learning theories and you're going to be in the room and supporting people and there's there's a lot of, uh, of responsibility that comes with that, right? Yeah. And so we tend to, and I know I did, and I think it's a very, again, normal part of therapist development, and like it really helps, mm-hmm. is, to pick, is to pick a lane, yeah. like pick a theory, pick an approach, like really try to learn that theory or approach, use that theory on your comprehensive exams, like, you know, study this theory, yes. like dive deep into it. And I think that, um, you know, we can, we can do that to help us sort of like have a place to sort of focus in terms of our, you know, conceptualization of where the problem is coming from and how we can support, create change. And I think that, you know, that's a big part of the training is, is being able to do that. And I think that can build a lot of confidence in, you know, how we show up for our clients and with who we are as clinicians, therapist development. But then, you know, we graduate and we start doing our hours, we get licensed. And I don't think that like we never, it's it's more difficult to get the support in then transitioning out and being able to transition out of say that into more of, okay, now how can I integrate all the parts of myself? (laughs) Like, yes, this theory that aligns with like how I conceptualize problems and change. And I feel a lot of alignment with my own values, but also- how can I integrate other parts of myself? Like the fact that I, I connect with people through humor or I'm really good at like words and writing, or I 
really love to use images and color and typography to 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 create really solid branding that like I am really good at being able to like interview people or you know does that make sense like total sense I don't know other parts of our identity like I love art I love creativity (laughs) I love music like whatever the case might be and I think that we don't necessarily get that same level of support that we got in school that says like, okay, pick, pick a theory, pick a lane, like learn it really well. And then it's like, well, so do I need to keep doing that? You know? And I think that there's also obviously some historical embedded messages of like being a blank slate and like all these pieces, which, you know, I think that sometimes we can interpret all of that and we can adopt it and feel like, well, that I need to keep these parts of myself that feel like they aren't in this lane outside of my work. I, and unfortunately that leads to burnout and it's it, and I think it it sometimes keeps us from really being able to draw in the people that we could be serving the most and so it's not good for us and it's not good for all the potential clients that we could be supporting. I completely agree. I you conceptualize that so beautifully and I think I think as well as I mean embedded alongside that message of leaving ourselves at the door um which is so asinine when you think about what we're actually tasked with doing for holding space (laughs) for people um, is also the message that in disconnecting from those parts of ourselves, we also, I think there's a pressure to disconnect from our own internal sources of wisdom. So for example, I know there's a message in lots of training programs that, or, or just a, it's a norm that no elements of, this training will be difficult. It'll be challenging. And you kind of have to, I mean, when you're working on a dissertation or a research project or, um, you know, a, a clinical practicum, there, there's this expectation that, you know, you're going to have to exercise some resiliency here and some fortitude. And this yeah. is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And we hear this over and over again. And I think what it can uh, unintentionally create is... Um, a cutting off from those internal nudges that we get that say this yeah. is hard and not in a not in a way that's growing anything good this is just yeah. I'm fighting against some part of myself that wants to explore this other aspect of my personality or this other mm-hmm. uh, set of skills that I have or interests and so I think sometimes it's really valuable to just remember that ease you know what what feels easy and what feels good is also a really important source of information. Our work is not meant to be this um, exercise in prolonged misery. It's supposed to feel, (laughs) we're supposed to be engaged and working hard, but it's supposed to be, there's supposed to be an element of play and an element of ease and and lightness about it. And so I think, I, I completely agree with you that in showing up for people and even before that in communicating about who we are and what we do to the people we're trying to reach, it's so important to listen as well to the nudges in different directions and see both our work and the way we communicate about that work as constantly free flowing and amenable to change. You are speaking straight to my heart. And I am, as you were talking, I was, I was relating my own experience, but also the therapists that have gone through the Modern Therapist Academy course and therapists that I've coached and therapists who are in different stages of their career. Maybe it's the very beginning or maybe it's they've been in practice for a while and they're just 
there is that like little voice or that like that little intuition, that, that, that wisdom inside that's telling them like something needs to change yeah. or like I'm heading down this path because I feel like it's the path I'm supposed to be doing or it's the one that feels like the safest or aligns with like what I think I should be doing. And there's just this, this little part of them that says, no, I think you're called to do something else. Mm-hmm. Or I think there's a pivot called for, and I think there's this, this whole group of people that you could be supporting that would bring, that would not just be helping them, but would make you so happy. Yes. And I think that it's totally possible, <laughs> right? But I think that, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really, I'm really hearing you on this, that like sometimes in all of this, we, uh, we don't listen to that part of ourselves, right? And and I think that there's so many reasons, and I think context matters, right? Yes. Um, for for why and how we get stuck in some of those places. But I I do think that there's some deep work that we can do. Deep work that's also just so meaningful. And like by deep, I don't just mean like hard. I mean right. like really important and like yes. really like enlightening and like joyful work of like reconnecting with like our visions and our whys and, and finding and, and integrating all the parts of ourselves and allowing each, all those parts to show up in the sort of creation of, of that vision for our practice and our business. And thus, and also because all this is such a big part of our lives for our life, Absolutely. you know, as humans. It makes oh. me think listening to you put it that way, how important it has been for me. And I think it is for, for lots of modern therapists to have, a sense of community around just talking through some mm. of these pieces of the process. Yeah. Because even though, yes, I can talk about deep-seated perfectionism and all of that, and we can talk about deep work, there's also just the day-to-day modern logistical oh, considerations. Yeah. So for example, yeah. in your course, I love um, when you talk about branding and you share that Shauna Nyquist quote, um, yeah. and, and yeah. just the importance of leaving flexibility even in how we portray mm. the brand of our practice that's that also dovetails with some practical considerations like if you've just made an investment totally. in some branding you know there are there are real reasons why someone might feel additionally compelled to kind of stay in the same lane stay the course but yeah. just remembering that there's freedom even within that I just see that show up a lot in copywriting as well well, so copywriting, I, mean, just, I just love where we went. I love where we went, Michaela. I was like, I mean, I'm like, I'm. Our, it's so funny because as we're talking, I'm like, okay, this is like exactly the kind of things that I want other ther- therapists to be hearing. Yeah. I'm like, so I can't just call this episode copywriting because it's like so much more than that. Anyway, that's that's a, that's something I'll worry about later. Yes. And I'll figure it out because <laughs> – this is so. Uh, this is so important. I mean, you're um, you're a part of the little pri- um, private Instagram community yes. that I have. That's open to anyone who's a therapist. It's just limited to. I want it to be a place where where we can really. It's just for therapists yes. or therapists in training. Such a unique space. Um, so inclusive in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's. What, what's, what I love about that is that there's some like really deep conversations happening on there about some of these key pieces that we're talking about here and these like shifts and these challenges that I think a lot of modern therapists are struggling with. And like you're saying, there's also like the day-to-day stuff. Like, 
okay, so how do I like create an Instagram story that's like going to keep people like listening because I really want to share this thing or how do I like set up my teletherapy where X, Y, or Z or like, how do I technically do this? Or like, what's the like, or how, who are you, like, where are you guys finding attorneys to support you in setting up professional wills? Like, you know, it's like all this stuff that like we need to create a business, but there's also all this other like meaning and deep like pivots that are happening. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it gets me going, Michaela. (laughs) I love it. I, I love it. It's why, it's why I have this podcast, but let's, take a little pivot, which is not a giant pivot because it's all interrelated. Let's talk about copywriting. So what is copywriting for somebody who's like maybe in the camp that I was for a long time? We're like, oh, wait, isn't copywriting about like not copying other people's work? (laughs) Yes. So what are we talking about here? Copywriting with a W. To make it easy on yourself, you can just drop the copy. Copy just means words. So copywriting is writing words. And, you know, it can even be um, expanded beyond that to, to include um, words that are designed to persuade or compel someone to take a particular action. Now, the field of copywriting has its origins in advertising, marketing, and there is a wealth of information out there about copywriting. So if you really wanted to, you could go down quite a few really interesting rabbit holes. Um, Yeah. What I like to share with people, because I think it just brings the pressure way down, is that copywriting is at its core about communication. So, for example, um, although the emphasis is on the written word, I include other kinds of communication in copywriting. Um, for example, when someone asks you that that um, common question, you know, when you're first meeting them, so what do you do? Whatever comes next out of your mouth is copywriting because you are making a choice about how to communicate who you are and what you do and who you serve um, and why it all matters. Mm. Mm. Uh, Okay. And so if somebody is hearing this and they're like, all right, so yes, I can get on board with this. Like there are totally ways in which I am hoping to use my words to market my business speak to my ideal client, connect with my community through an email newsletter, um, showcase my voice on social media. So there's different ways that we can be showing up with our words. Where where could somebody get started? Like how do we even, I mean, there's nothing more intimidating mm. than like staring at a blank caption box yeah. or a blank website page or a blank document and being like, <laughs> all right, words, come to me now. And just yes. be like, oh, like crickets. They're not coming. Like, yes. I. So I do have some thoughts about the blank screen, the blinking cursor of doom. Um, just some practical uh, tips for that. But I think when you think about where where to start, you even we have to back up even a, a few steps further. And that is, you know, feel free to push away from the, the laptop or the device and just do some reflection and ask yourself, who is it I most want to reach through my work? And Mm. whether you consider that a dream client, an ideal audience, there's lots of different ways to, um, to conceptualize that. We're essentially asking ourselves to envision kind of this prototypical person that we want to work with. 
And you can have different versions of that person. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, there's some exercises you find online where, you, you know, you give the person a name, you describe them. But I've found through the lens of of someone um, who's a, a helping professional, I find it more helpful just to reflect on the clients I've worked with in the past and look for wow. themes. Themes, um, what, are, what are the values of the people I most felt engaged working with? Who are the people yeah. I feel uniquely suited to serve? And who are the people who recognize that that's been helpful um, and are excited to share about it. And for that last piece, I'm, I'm not really thinking in terms of like standing on a street corner and recommending you as a therapist to people, although certainly word of mouth referrals are a really powerful vehicle for reaching new, new dream clients. I'm more, I'm trying to key into that piece of just the magic of being able not only to serve someone in a very real way, but have them be able to attribute any change and growth that they're seeing in their life to the work you did together. That's a really powerful thing when, when they're able to recognize that. And so reflecting on who those people are for you and what themes you can pull out and then to go the additional step of, okay, how can I help them? What do they need from me? What do they need to hear from me in order to take a first step to working together? Mm. And now you're now now tell me here if I'm if I'm missing any pieces, but my thought is that then from there where you move is like when you're actually sitting down to write something, are you actually picturing that person? Like thinking about what what kind of words would they use to do, like what would be words that they would be searching for or words that would resonate with like their experiences? Like actually imagining that you're writing to that person, is that is that kind of, is that part of your process? Yes, absolutely. And um, for a couple of reasons, one is a practical one. When it comes to actually communicating, we tend we tend to write for a, a mass audience anytime we're putting something online. So if we're putting together website words or we're writing a professional bio, we're kind of casting this wide net. And there's some good reasons why we do this, but that's that's the impulse. However, that leads to a style of communication that um, can feel impersonal, can be kind of watered down and made less personalized. And so by picturing one person, it makes our, our copy, or the words that we put together, more conversational, warmer, um, more precise, designed mm-hmm. to connect. And that's that's the piece that is so powerful, is this idea of connection. If you can spark a connection with the person you're trying to reach, you win. And I, I use the word win playfully because yeah. we all can win <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. plenty of room for all of us to connect. From, uh, from there, or the second piece rather, is that when you can, the more specific you can get about who you're trying to reach, the more you can differentiate yourself uh, from other people who are out there marketing their practices. And, you know, I think, again, there are some really good reasons why we might try to cast a wide net. If, if we're just getting our business off the ground, it can feel like we have to in order to get enough business in the door. Um, it can also feel like we have an obligation to serve anyone who might want to be served by us. <laughs> and yet, I very strongly believe, and the, the research bears this out, that 
the more specific, the more targeted we can be in sort of our sweet spot between what we have to share and who needs it most, then we're able to just speak directly to that person. It's like the difference between whispering in someone's ear or shouting from a rooftop above all this other noise. It's going to land so much more personally on, yes, um, a smaller subset of the population, but in that way, it's going to stand out. Because if you think about um, the state of mind that a client is in when they're looking for someone to help them, when they're looking for a therapist, they're probably feeling some sense of urgency. They're probably experiencing some kind of pain or discomfort or dissatisfaction or a longing or a feeling of overwhelm or being stuck. This is not a state of mind that lends itself to like (laughs) doing the heavy mental and emotional lifting of trying to comb through a bunch of identical professional bios that talk about where someone trained or what theoretical model they use. They're looking for evidence of connection. This is someone who's speaking to me. And so I consider it just good practice from a marketing perspective for our businesses to be as clear as possible. And I consider it one of the most fundamental ways we can serve our people is by making it easy for them, by stepping out and saying, here's who I am. Here's who I think you are. Here's how I think we can work together. When you said there's, it's a difference between the connection you feel when you whisper something in someone's ear and yelling it from the <laughs> rooftop that, I don't know, that really, I've never heard it described that way. And it just, it really struck me because I, I have personally experienced that like when I allowed myself, and again, I had, I had to give myself permission to do it because I also felt the fear of like scarcity mindset where it's like, no, I have to like cast this wide net. Like Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't niche down. I can't like, because if I do that, then I'm not going to get enough clients or, and, or I'm going to like exclude people that could be really good fits for me too, maybe by chance, you know, and like just that fear. And so I spent a lot of time with that, like, you know, about page bio that was just like, so just like, just like all just so general, you know, like, like, you know, and like, there's a lot of great like phrases in there that, you know, I think also are warm and compassionate, but it's like, I was so scared. And the minute that I gave myself permission to just say, you know what, I have, I know who I can serve the most. And I know that like, that's really powerful work that's going to serve them well. And I'm going to go into work every day, see my schedule of who's coming in and feel good. Like leave my job feeling good. Like it's going to protect me from burnout, which is going to help me continue to show up and do the work that I'm feeling called to do. And so when I niche down and like really niche down and like really let my voice and myself show up in the way that I am like showing up in the world as somebody who is marketing my practice and my business, but and is also, you know, drawing in the, those ideal clients. It is completely transformed my business. I mean, it has, it, it has literally, it has, it has both been very profitable. So like, you know, I think that as clinicians, sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to be like, okay, also I'm in this, like to, 
<laughs> support my family. Like right. it has absolutely, it is like, it has gotten me to the point of like hitting that six figure mark with yeah. like a practice full of clients that are my ideal clients and like getting a chance to every day witness that transformation and those connections because they they were on my website, they were on my Instagram, they were listening to my podcast, yes. and there was something that connected. And there is plenty of people who do not, and that is okay because I want them to find that therapist out there that they will connect with. And like there is enough clients to go around for all of us. That is for dang sure. Like absolutely. And I think it's so interesting. There's a kind of in the mainstream copywriting world, there's this um, concept of attracting and repelling. We want to attract our ideal customer. We want to repel someone who's not. And I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, I believe words are powerful. And so as a as a therapist, you know, when I was really digging into some of this, when I was launching my own private practice, I thought, okay, I don't actually want to repel anyone like that feels that feels that so not harsh. Feel good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not trying to repel anyone. And yet right. without, we don't have to spell out clearly who we're not a good fit for. We just need to articulate so authentically who we are trying to reach that naturally the people for whom that doesn't connect and it doesn't resonate, they will naturally bounce um yeah. from from our totally. website and from our bio and find someone else and to I like that bounce not repel yeah, literally and figuratively bounce and yes. you know kind of to start to shift our perspective to see that as a compassionate way we can be serving even those people who aren't going to ultimately yeah. work with us absolutely um, really yeah. gives you the freedom to to drill down in your marketing Yes. And here's the thing is like my, my fear, cause I did have the fear of like, okay, so really like my ideal client is a new mom or somebody mm-hmm. who is in, you know, in that fertility, pregnancy, peripartum stage of life, um, struggling with, you know, identity, anxiety, depression, trauma. And I was like, but you know, I, in my, you know, life as a therapist have also loved my work with clients who were not parents, who had no desire mm. to have children or were in like the season of their life where all their kids had moved out and they were navigating the transition of retirement. Like I have loved some of that work. And what's so interesting, and I love this like whisper metaphor now, mm. um, is because while my website in many ways may be hopefully a warm whisper of connection to that ideal client, that that mom that I just described. I also get plenty of referrals from past clients or people who have heard my podcast or other places and they and they whisper to somebody that they are connected to who's looking for support, "Hey, because I know you and because I've either worked with Cassidy or I've gotten to know her work in some way, I feel like you would be a really good fit for her. And, you know, they reach out because mm-hmm. they are given like my email address or my number or or they go on my website, but they had somebody that whispered in their ear that they thought it would be a good fit, like a direct warm handoff. And so I absolutely have, I mean, I would say in my practice right now, like, like maybe 65, 70% is like who I described mm-hmm. as a client. And like the other like 
25, 40-ish percent, like, are not in that stage of life. Like, they're in high school or they are in college or they never had kids or they are single. They are planning retirement. They are at the end of their life. Like, and it is, they are all my, also my ideal clients because somebody said, you're going to be the right fit. And so just because we niche down and we show up and share ourselves and our voice, it doesn't mean that we are going to pigeonhole ourselves into just one kind of client that we're going to see day in and day out. Like it's, it's just not the case when you're going out in the world and you're showing up and you're doing good work you're going to draw in the people that you can serve, whether it's through your marketing or through those warm handoffs and referrals. I could not agree more with everything you just said. I think that I sometimes talk in um, what I share about copywriting. So on social media or on my blog, I, I talk about the magic that happens when you communicate your message in words. And that, that, you know, sometimes people ask, well, what is the magic? Like, what exactly is magical about it? And it's this idea that you can, through thoughtfully crafted words, draw in both the dream clients you've already identified and dream clients you didn't even know were dream clients. In other words, people who have been, yes, warm handoffs from the people you've already worked with, or those people who in some way see themselves in your words. And in my experience, that is dead on. Um, overwhelmingly, yeah. it's such a great way for people to self-select into working with you. And it truly is just completely within your own control of how you how you portray yourself in your words. Oh, yes, Michaela. And okay, so one thing that people will often, I'll hear, you hear, when you hear of copywriting, I think you also hear the word SEO. It's like SEO, SEO. So SEO being like search engine optimization. Um, And what's so so interesting about what you just described in terms of your process of really identifying who you're trying to speak to, like really imagining as you're writing that you're speaking to them, because in that you're considering the words that they would use that would resonate with their experiences. And that to me feels like such a more connected version of integrating SEO into your copywriting. And what I think typically we think of is like, okay, so like these are the words that are going to make me show up highest Uh on the search engines. I need to like somehow strategically put them in here. It's just so, I don't know. I just think the way you just described it, I think I imagine does is is does wonders for this whole idea of like you being search you know searchable and optimizing if people can find you um, because you're actually speaking you're actually imagining speaking to these clients and using words that you imagine that they would be searching and be interested in hearing and be connecting to does that um, does that is that true completely and we've yes happily moved away from kind of the earlier generation of SEO where people would engage in something called keyword stuffing, where they would identify those yeah. those search terms that were kind of, um, yeah, chosen through deductive reasoning. And then they would jam them as many times as possible onto their websites, which you can imagine um, did something to the, the user experience landing on that yeah. site and looking for human words and finding that yeah. instead. And so to bring it all the way back to your question of how someone gets started with copywriting, I would say once you have a good handle on who you're trying to speak to, then absolutely, just as you said, take that next step of considering 
what are they struggling with right now? And what, what words are they using to describe that struggle? What is keeping them up at night? And then what are they stress Googling at 2 a.m.? Like, what are the words yeah. they're using? And, you know, chances are they're not inputting um, jargon, the kind that we would use to right. speak to each other at professional conferences or, um, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily, I mean, some might be, but pro- chances are your dream client is using a different kind of vocabulary to describe what they're struggling with. And so our fun little treasure hunt that we're, that we're tasked with going on is figuring out what those terms are. And there's all kinds of creative ways to do that. And social media happily has, has made it really, really easy to do a lot of informal research on the words that our dream clients are using. So I know that one platform, and you have some great posts on this, and so I'll make sure to include some of that in the show notes, is, um, and you and I have talked about this before, so Pinterest actually mm. as like a search engine yes. of discovering what it is that people are searching for, wanting to hear more about. Like if you type in mom guilt, like what are some of the other words around mom guilt that yes. moms are typing in, right? And like, what are people interested in? Um, or what are they searching? I love this sort of question of like thinking of your ideal client and, and imagining like what he or she or they are stress Googling at two in the morning, you know, or like in those moments when they are struggling, like what are they searching for? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love, I love how, I love how authentic and warm and connected your sort of framework for copywriting is Michaela. It just, it's such a joy to know you and to have you as a resource. And you have a course where you have put together all of this in one place, the roadmap. And here's the thing that I want to say before we go into your course and have you talk about it is that people will often say like, okay, well, can't you find these things online somewhere? And (laughs) I'm always like, okay, the truth is like, yeah, you you can Google anything, Mm -hmm. but to have somebody packaged like with warmth and authenticity and connection and also community, which I know is a part of it for you, for both of us in the courses we've built is like, okay, but also what I know that I needed, like when I first started off was like, yeah, I was Googling a bunch of stuff and like (laughs) going down the rabbit holes and trying to figure out like, how to tie it all together and like, what's the roadmap? Like, where should I start? And then what comes next? And like, how do I work like efficiently and effectively around this is like, you're, you've created like a roadmap for people, right? Like holding their hand from the beginning to the end with real outcomes. And so I'd love to hear from you a little bit about the work you've done and where people can find you and how they can get the support. Yes. Thank you so much. The, the course uh, was an exciting realization of a spark of an idea that I've had for quite a long time now. When I'd initially started my sharing about copywriting um, on Instagram, it was about a year ago, it was really meant to chronicle and share sort of the nuggets of wisdom along the way that I was uncovering in my own copywriting work and, and in helping other um, health and wellness business owners um, represent themselves in words. and. The response really surprised me. I think people were hungry for not just a road roadmap, but just some sense that it doesn't have to be as complicated or as overwhelming mm. as yeah. it seems. And I think 
you're absolutely right. We live in an exciting time where there's just a wealth of information out there and that can paralyze us. So it's absolutely true that anyone with the time and the inclination can bootstrap together their own resources out there using like string and duct tape and a piece of gum. But we don't have limitless time. We don't have limitless energy. And I think no matter how much work we've done to kind of stand in our power and feel confident about our own abilities, there is this constant nagging doubt uh, that are, are we, is this really the guidance I should be following? And um, what if I come across two contradictory pieces of advice out there and every little point along the way where we get stuck or overwhelmed or we start to question, that's that's a missed opportunity. It's, mm. it's further delay of putting ourselves out there and just um, showing up in the ways that can be most helpful to the people we're trying to reach. And so I knew that whenever I, I was able to put together some kind of formalized resource, which is what the course um, copy for healers and helpers ended up being, I wanted it to have that feel of a roadmap like a flexible roadmap. It's easy yes. to read. <laughs> and that's another thing. Again, I'm, I know I'm kind of perseverating on the words here, but a lot of um, mainstream kind of online marketing advice will talk about using words like um, system and things that to me have connotations of being locked in to one of those lanes we were talking about earlier. And so I love the idea of like a gentle, helpful roadmap That is not overwhelming and that is totally amenable to detours. But, you know, those are detours of your own choosing along the way. So the promise of the course is that whether someone is writing their website for the first time or rewriting uh, their copywriting, that they'll this will walk them through the process from start to finish and then beyond, because I'm also including Uh, guidance on how to make pivots big and small along the way, how to grow and adapt your copywriting to fit a changing dream client, for example, or changing priorities in your business, as well as how to get going with um, a social media presence as well. Mm. All right, Michaela. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with me. It's so great to get a chance to connect with you again. Where can people find you? Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for for having me on to talk with you. And the best place to find me is on my website, drmichaela.com. And if you go to drmichaela.com slash quiz, that's one of those um, easy, uh, non-restrictive ways to get started to dip a toe in the water with copywriting. That'll help you uncover your unique copywriting I'm sorry, your unique communication superpower. Awesome. And will you send me that link so that I can share that in the show notes? Yes, absolutely. Amazing. So if you're listening and you're thinking it, you're like, oh, I would love to take that kind of quiz. What is my communication superpower? Then go to the show notes and you can find it. Michaela, again, thank you so much. I so appreciate you coming on and I'm just so grateful to have you as a friend and a colleague. Oh, likewise. Thanks so much, Cassidy. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. 
Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.